Hello there! Welcome to the International Business Podcast, a show for those who work across time zones, borders, and cultures. I'm your host, Leonardo, from Shanghai, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. We also have a new co-host, Stefano, based in Paris. Coming up on today's episode... Definitely China market, it's a candidate-driven market, while the, the rest of the Asia markets are more client-driven. Handling rejections from talent, delivering negative message to India, managing not ideal offer to Korea. Evelyn is a senior Asia-Pacific recruiter. She specializes in middle to senior level hiring in healthcare and life science. We recorded an episode over a year ago, episode 10. Go back and check that out. What has changed in recruiting leaders across APAC during the pandemic? You can find more information about Evelyn, including her LinkedIn profile, in the show notes. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Evelyn. I'm glad to have you on and welcome back to the International Business Podcast. Hey, Leo. Nice to meet you here again. It's been such a while and I'm super excited for our next episode. So you told me, you told the audience like a year ago, even more than a year ago, why you will define yourself as an international professional. But for those that do not know you, why would you consider yourself one of these international professionals? That's a really good question. But can I tell you that my work schedule usually ends around one, one or two o'clock in the morning? And, and sometimes it starts from 6 a.m. in the morning because I have some meetings with the U.S. and Europe clients. So to tell the audience that don't know me yet, I'm working in APAC region across 10 different countries and regions for healthcare recruitment. So last year when we spoke, I was, I was still doing global recruitment for a Chinese client's expansion in North America, Europe, and Middle East. So I think regional-wise, I'm covering international business. Personally, I got managers or mentors coming from Singapore, Russia, Turkey, and India. They actually influenced me a bit the way that I think, the way that I talk, the way I work, and, you know, make it more international. So you have worked with several regional global senior managers. Would you like to share what has been discussed frequently about leadership during the COVID-19 period that, by the way, hasn't finished yet? Leadership is an intangible and COVID-19 definitely made work from home a new norm for all of us around the world. So a lot of global executives cannot have their usual annual meetings, uh, flight, flight, you know, from US to China or from France to South Africa to meet, um, to meet with the local employees and engage with their customers and managers have difficulties to measure their employees' day-to-day life and even have even they cannot conduct face-to-face conversations. So a strong leader that maintains a high-performing team will definitely need to understand how their members are feeling, how they're thinking, how they're acting in line with their deepest convictions, considerations, feelings, and thoughts. You know, from an employee, myself, and a recruiter standpoint, in that way, the deepest level of trust can could be could be built, and so that you can so that the leader can understand the silence during the team meeting sometimes, and you know when, when they're doing a, an appraisal review, um, when employees are not hitting the the targets while they're 
where they already have three quarters of strong and consistent performance, they will understand how to motivate themselves to get a better result. In one sentence, so in these special cocktails of leadership attributes under COVID-19, it's situational leadership, change management, growth mindset, transparency, with a little dash of empathy and vulnerability. So what are your key takeaways about working in China and in the Asia-Pacific markets? I'm still learning about my region, but I can definitely share some fun facts about these two markets. So from the recruiter standpoint, definitely China market, it's a candidate-driven market, while the, the rest of the Asia markets are more client-driven. Let me tell you why. So if you have a really good candidate in China, you know, a recruiter, would know that they can definitely make a deal out of these candidates because China usually don't have those star candidate or candidate with good qualities and quick integrities with the expertise and backgrounds that exactly fit with clients needs however let's take Singapore for example there are tons of good quality candidates over there a lot of professionals coming from all over the world coming to this um, Asia's economic center so a candidate can have connection with a lot of recruiters, but a recruiter cannot have a lot of job to work on unless you got really good relationship or in Chinese we call it guanxi with the client to get some position to place the candidate. So that's something I find very interesting when working in um, other Asia markets. And the second thing um, I think would be the market complexity and access difficulty. It's totally different from China to other Southeast Asia countries. So let's take healthcare industry, for example. The restriction bar is super high for for the pharma products, um, for the devices, and, and also nowadays for some diagnostic kits to get um, registered in China. However, in some other countries like Vietnam or Philippines or Thailand, usually the, those foreign companies just need to find a really, really solid distributor to promote their products and they're all set. Uh, but in China, they need to have a really strong market access team to make the strategy and to do with the government, to do with the governors, um, you know, have really have some connections with the key decision makers like from, from MOH to get their products a blast in the market. Evelyn, I know, but perhaps uh, part of the audience doesn't. What is MOH? MOH is Ministry of Health, authority to do with healthcare-related business for both local and foreign companies and, and also for other related stuff. I have a question that I believe will be very interesting for the audience and especially since the answer comes from an experienced recruiter such as yourself uh, Evelyn does having an MBA really help in career progression <laughs> um, it's actually a question that I've been asked so many times during the time that, that I was doing a candidate call or, or even like when I when I was meeting candidates face to face so Yes, from a recruiter standpoint, this is something definitely will boost your profile, especially for those who aim for a higher level management position or um, who wants to get into the top tier consulting firms. And, and the benefit of it are, of course, very obvious. Your, your interview skills, presentation skills, communication skills would get massively improved 
even from the period of application, um, you get to study and work with the outstanding professionals around the world. And, and you get to work on those most up-to-date and toughest business case, which will help you get prepared when the real problem happens, uh, when, when you get back to your position and your personality and leadership might be in a better shape day to day. And when you get back, you know, the promotion might happen and your pay rise could, could happen as well. Um, but the real question is, what do you want from this MBA degrees and whether this extra cost is necessary enough for you? I have witnessed people get their dream job or double pay or like decent promotion to the partner or to, to the senior director or vice president, um, even before they graduate from their MBA programs. But I also saw some people spending like 50 and even 100 grand of Europe for a very outstanding MBA program, but they came back um, with nothing at hand and, and they even spent a year uh, for gap. So you really need to think, what do you want from this programs? And so if you aim for getting the um, higher levels of connections, you definitely need to participate in more activities to engage with more alumni. And if you want to have a bigger work scope, taking care of maybe um, like a team of 100 people, you for sure need to work on more projects and, you know, be the project leader and, and do something like that. So make the most use of your programs and make it useful and, and valuable for your your career progression so it's a question of yes or no from what you're looking for moving on to expats evelyn how can expats survive and perhaps more importantly stand out from the local candidates i think this question could be divided into two parts um because I'm, I'm Chinese and I'm Chinese working for foreign country, for, for foreign markets. And there are some expats coming from Western countries who are living and working in China, right? The thing that I think might be the same for, for both parties would be you need to really learn the local languages and understand the culture to be able to, to really, uh, to fully engage with the env environment. Um, from work and from life and to understand the locals, what are good and, and what, what could be done differently so that you can have a better plan to maybe learn from them. And, you know, you can be like a tree to plant yourself and really let your roots grow with your neighbors so that you understand where you can go and, and where you can go over. Right. And, and the second thing is you really need to work hard because if we're talking about business, local companies or local university definitely would prefer to hire or to to get those local people in. So as an expat, you need to show your you need to show more efforts um, and need to show the enthusiasm that you really want to succeed. You can really, you know, contribute yourself um, and you, you're really willing to take more responsibilities so people will know that last but not least i think you need to be patient so it takes times to get there so you need to be patient and also train yourself to be decisive so when the opportunity comes you can you know seize that and you know grab that chance and make it a good one to really boost your career so you have a lot on your plate evelyn now that you work regionally what sort 
of pressures you've been experiencing, but more importantly, how do you unplug yourself from work? I think my stress level is definitely 30 or even 40% more from from two to three years ago when I was only when I was solely working on China market. You know, can, can, can you imagine handling rejections from talent, delivering negative message to India, managing not ideal offer to Korea, discussing expansion plan with Japan clients and also motivating colleagues from Australia for difficult, difficult tasks. This could happen in one day or even one afternoon for me. And it is not like once in a month. It's, it's more like one or two, two times a, a week. And I have to deal with it. And I have to really, you know, get rid of my negative emotions to sort out sort out my thoughts and, and, you know, come up with new solutions every day, every time. I remember I was, I was still making interview preparations to my candidates, even when I was in the airport waiting for a vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it is because working in regional row, uh, meaning that you're taking a bigger work scope, um, dealing different time zones, you know, dealing with the language barriers and, you know, the culture shocks, um, the brand new candidate pool that you need to build up from scratch and also the higher part uh, of getting new clients in. It's, especially it's a total relationship driven market for me as an expert, you know, making sure my targets are achieved, you know, protecting and fulfilling both clients and candidates needs, handling internal competitions while, you know, getting trust and, and credits from, you know, my boss and also from colleagues. Uh, and also, you know, balancing my work and life. It's just all about, you know, pressures. But as long as you can manage it, um, it's it's just not a thing. And, and I think it's the norm for sales, right? Speaking of how I unplug myself, um, I think I, I do it way better than, than before. I manage my schedule a bit more actively. And I sometimes feel like I'm like a Chinese primary student. I will tell you why. Because um, just to make sure I'm not working overtime every day. So I register myself to drum class and swing dance class and also to some online to some online class of cocktail mixing. So that I have every I have I have a lot of different kind of things to do um, between seven to nine o'clock in the evening so that I have to, at least two hours to do something really not about my work and I can fully do something with just myself and you know let let my thoughts and emotion float and this kind of thing really helped me to stay focused and I think um, doing different kinds of hobbies and trying to explore your potential would be something good for all of us who are who are living in this in this fast-paced world. So Evelyn, skill set experience or connections resources? Which one is more important during a sales job interview? Yeah, this is a very interesting one. This might be the question that a candidate need to ask themselves or even they need to ask the interviewer. Because if you don't know what will be their expectations, that you have no idea how to sell yourself, especially you're a salesperson, right? So in general, a solid, solid sales skills with strong, successful track records and 
your outstanding key achievements of sales with significant sales figures, turnover rates, growth rates, and etc., would give the interviewer a good impression that you have the capacity to work with different people under different culture, on different products, and even in different industry. And that's more valuable, not just from a job application, but even for your day-to-day life. So, in fact. I find that um, the top sales are the ones who are always able to come up with new solutions, regardless how tough the situation is, and they're still able to get it covered. So it's it's more more like they know they know the the new market development methodologies, and they are mature enough to take over bigger scope. So just like a, a Vietnam country manager. Who has no regional experience, but st- she still gets the job to cover Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia. Is it because she really get a connections there? Maybe, but uh, more likely it's because she knows the new market development methodologies there, and she's mature enough to lead a bigger team and even to take a bigger work scope. However, in some countries or some specific industries, you probably can only get in the business or can get the deal done. When you have the certain level of relationships, so I've got one final question. I ask everyone who comes on the show, Evelyn, tell us about one memorable moment from your international career. This could be a successful, a funny, or a catastrophic episode. I remember you told us about a successful episode. So today I'm expecting either a funny or a catastrophic episode. Yeah, sure. Maybe this year I can tell you something funny. Okay, so as you can see from my background, I'm Chinese. I'm a work colleague. I have a hybrid accent when speaking English, and I do understand sometimes Westerners think us Asia looks similar. If you do not look into details about my eyes, about our nose, about our mouth, and etc., but I end up being confused、um, since I'm working on Asia market right now, and it's been more than ten times this year. That I've been asked from my clients or the candidates or even someone from the street, that if I'm from Korea or sometimes they just say something to me in Korean.、Um, yeah, it's a bit funny, sometimes awkward, but it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure you got audience coming from all over the world, and there must be someone coming from Korea, right? So if you guys can help me figure that out, why that happens, that would be highly appreciated. Yeah. So to wrap this up, Evelyn, before we go, after listening to this episode, who should connect with you, and tell us a little bit more in detail about your current role. I think、um, those healthcare professionals who are working in commercial sectors like sales, marketing, communication, strategy, anything related to commercial, I'm happy to connect with you for for your next career step. Or to help you expand your current team. To tell you a bit more in detail about my job, so I am a regional recruiter, and I help my clients, which are the pharma company, medical devices company, biotech,、uh, diagnostic companies, recruiting talents across the regions. So my main countries are Southeast Asia countries. Great China, Korea, and sometimes I do have some clients, which probably would be Chinese clients when they are expanding overseas. I will also do some 
hirings in the US, uh, in Australia, and in other regions. So my job is to help those healthcare professionals who are working in Asia to excel themselves across the region and also make positive impact to the industry and to all of us. Evelyn, I want to thank you for your insight. Thank you for joining us again on the show. Thank you, Leo. I enjoy our conversation. I hope to talk to you again. Subscribe today to listen to more international business stories. We have new guests every Monday. Connect with us on LinkedIn, info in the show notes. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.